one thing is just it's frustration like there is a lot of frustration that can come from not preparing your business to bring on a virtual assistant or frankly like any team member on both sides on both like your side as the business owner and the one who's hiring and also on the side of the virtual assistant Welcome to the She Can Systemize podcast, where we are helping business owners like you learn to love and implement systems in their business. From conversations about CRM tools like Dubsado or automating the ish out of your business to helping your system match the level of detail your business does. My name is Taryn Rochelle, your girlfriend with a plan, CEO and founder of The Socialized Style Co. and someone who's just a little systems obsessed. I'm about to help make your life and business way more systemized so you can live a socialized style you love. Welcome to She Can Systemize. Hey guys, welcome back to She Can Systemize podcast. I am your host, Taryn Rochelle, and I am here with Kate, who is the founder and owner of your behind the scenes BFF, OBM, and VA agency, where her and her team help entrepreneurs grow and scale by tackling their to-do list. As a former teacher, she also created your behind the scenes BFF university to educate and mentor other virtual assistants and freelancers to start and grow a profitable business online. So thank you so much, Kate, for joining me on She Can Systemize. Hello. I am so excited. This is a long time coming, I feel like. Oh my gosh. It really is. I am so excited, one, that we connected in real life. So any of you guys here that are new to my community, I recently moved to Arizona State from Washington State. And I was so excited because me and Kate had talked before I had moved. And then when I finally moved, we were able to meet in person and take our friendship off of a virtual friendship to an in-person friendship. And now we are doing a podcast together. So I'm so excited. We really wanted to bring this episode to you guys because this is a hot topic for a lot of people that either are virtual assistants or even people in my industry that are more niche specific to one thing like systems or anything like that, when you really want your clients to be a little more prepared before they hire you. And what we really would love for our clients to have before they for Kate, bring on a virtual assistant. So hire her and her team, or for me, a bring on a client where we were tackling their systems or for you out there, if you're a copywriter or whatever you do, what would be beneficial for you to have in your business? But we really wanted to talk about this when it came to virtual assistants, because a lot of people have virtual assistants or want them in their business, but either hire too quickly or they wait to hire because they just aren't sure what to have in place. So we wanted to bring this conversation to you guys and really tackle this topic together. So Kate, for you, like how, first off, like how did you get started in the virtual assistant industry? Like how did that all get started for you? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's actually pretty interesting because I feel like I did it I don't know, maybe backwards, Um, where I was, I've been an entrepreneur for over five years now. And I was actually on like the hiring side before with my other businesses. I had hired virtual assistants to help me in those businesses. And then when I pivoted, so in like 2020, 2021, I started to really feel this pull to pivot and kind of change my career path 
I also had just had my first baby. And then end of 2021, like one year, almost exactly one year later, I found out I was pregnant with my second. And a lot of things changed for me. And so I decided that I really wanted to kind of step in that behind the scenes role and not be so, uh, I guess, forward facing, which is ironic now because now with the agency and everything else, I am forward facing yet again, but in a different way. But I just found that I really enjoyed supporting specifically other female entrepreneurs and a lot of moms actually and helping them kind of like ditch that overwhelm and burnout by taking over some things on their to-do list that they really did not need to be doing or doing things that would just make their life easier and free up some time and energy for them to do other things like, you know, maybe it's something else with their business that they've been wanting to create or do, but they haven't had time to do those things because they're doing other things just on the back end. Or maybe they like just want more time to like spend with their family or doing a hobby. I know I'm guilty of like the whole, what are, what are some of your hobbies? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what a hobby is. <laughs> You're like, I work, uh, I work, yeah, and, work and I have kids. <laughs> I work and hang out with my kids. Um, and so really like helping entrepreneurs, you know, set those kind of boundaries with their business. And sometimes that looks like delegating so that you can free up space other places. Um, and so I just really found that I was really enjoying those parts of my former businesses. So when I decided to just say, you know, I'm going to try out this virtual assistant thing. Like I said, I had had virtual assistants in the past, so I knew exactly what they did and what I wanted to do. And I just reached out to a couple of people I knew who I had connected with in the online business space that I knew, you know, also knew other people. And I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you know of anyone that's interested in hiring a VA, this is what I'm going to start doing. And it turns out both of those people I had texted ended up being like, actually, I need a new VA and you'd be perfect. (laughs) And so that worked out really well. And then that kind of just spearheaded everything. And we really grew and really grew fast. And we had to kind of figure out what that looked like over this last year. And yeah, now we're a full-blown agency, a team of four. And we have the university, which uh, kind of came about by a bunch of people asking me, like, how do you become a virtual assistant? What do virtual assistants do? How much money can you make as a VA? And I was like, I could I could make a course on this. Like I have, I actually have my master's in education because in my former, former life, I was a teacher. And I was like, I can make a course on this and I could teach people exactly how to do what I'm doing. And that's what I did. And so that kind of I guess, started the university side and now we're putting out templates and we have a podcast aligned with the university and we're doing workshops. And so it's really exciting because not only do we have the agency where we're supporting female entrepreneurs and their businesses and brands, but we're also helping other women and a lot of them moms create like a side income from their full-time job or even if they're a stay-at-home mom. This is something that they get for themselves. And then we also have people who are doing this for full-time. So um, it's been really fun and exciting to really do over the last year now. Yeah. And I think like what you were talking about of like, you know, I could teach other people how to do this. 
this also goes hand in hand with like what we're talking about on this episode of also like educating and teaching your clients, like how to be prepared for what you offer as a service provider. Or I know there's many people that listen to this podcast that are in the wedding and event space, like preparing your clients for what it's like to work with you. And I think especially in the virtual assistant space, this is something that's just not really thought about a whole lot. And it's just like, I feel overwhelmed, like everything, there's just so many like fires I'm trying to put out all the time, like I need help. And then that's when like hiring before you're ready comes into play. And then you're not happy or your assistant's not happy, like so many things can happen. So what would you say are like some big things that could happen if you don't prepare your business the correct way for having a virtual assistant? I think the number one thing is just it's frustration. Like there is a lot of frustration that can come from not preparing your business to bring on a virtual assistant or frankly, like any team member or contractor on both sides, on both like your side as the business owner and the one who's hiring and also on the side of the virtual assistant. Um, I think that there's maybe this, I don't know, over the last few years, um, I feel like the virtual assistant industry is kind of debunking some myths about like what VAs actually are. And I think a lot of people are used to the like, oh, I'm going to pay this person, you know, $5 an hour to do these tasks. Or I don't, I don't think that the industry has always been treated as professional as it actually is. And I think that's one thing to keep in mind is that when you're hiring a VA or an OBM or any sort of contractor, you're hiring a professional. And in order to get their best work, you have to also set them up for success as well. And when that doesn't happen, I can see there's a lot of frustration and like overwhelm on both sides. Uh, And there's also times where people think like, oh, well, maybe this person isn't a good fit for my business, or maybe this person isn't a good fit for my client or for a client. And it really, that might not be the case. The case might really be that there wasn't a smooth transition into the business, which then caused some like frustration and maybe lack of communication on both sides. And that's where people can start to, you're frustrated, you feel like maybe you're wasting time. It's maybe a lot more work to bring on someone. And now you're like, well, it would just be easier if I did it anyway. I know that a lot of business owners feel that way where it's like, it would take me longer to teach someone how to do it than do it myself. And that's why people avoid hiring. But if you have a solid system to onboard a VA, sure, it might take like a little bit of time to get that system up and going and then actually onboard your person. But after that, it's going to be, you're going to see a drastic change in your business. And it's also good to keep in mind that If you don't have that type of system, not only is it making you feel that way, but it's probably making your VA or the person hiring feel that way too because they want to perform and they want to do their best work for you. They don't want to give you a crappy service. Um, And so in order to set them up for success, in order to set your business up for success, you really have to make sure you prepare your business to bring on these people. Yeah, because I definitely think this happens often is I hear, oh, well, this just wasn't a good assistant or this just wasn't the right fit for my business. And it's like, well, 
you know, that could be the case. I see often job postings on Facebook groups where like, it's just so generic of like looking Mm -hmm. for an assistant to do X, Y, and Z and like not sharing what you do for your business, like finding someone that knows your industry. Like there's so much that goes into like actually hiring a virtual assistant. Yeah. But also like you can't just, unless you have a solid system in place or your SOPs like mapped out and things like that for your assistant, like you can't just put all the blame on that person. You know, you have to take yourself and think, okay, did I set this person up for success? Because coming from a, I come from a retail background. I worked at Forever 21. I worked at Zara, especially when I worked at Zara, like I opened a brand new store. So every single person that worked on my team, I ran the kids department and I hired every single person. And you know, they are a a corporate company, you know, they have solid systems in place. It's like, if those systems were in place, like me bringing in these people would have been a mess. Like it would have been an absolute mess. So like you have to think about your business. If you want to grow and scale your business to a high level. And even if like, you don't see like, Oh, like seven figures, like in your future, like that's not the case. Even if you're fine making $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, whatever your goal is, it's still a business. Like unless it's a side hustle and things like that, you know, it's a business. And so you have to treat it that way. And especially when you're bringing on team members. And one thing you talked about too, is the cost of it too. You know, if you're not paying your virtual assistant a full-time salary, this is not a full-time employee. And so expecting everything under the sun and paying them very minimal is not going to set you or them up for success because they're going to feel undervalued. And then you're going to feel frustrated because you feel like not everything's getting done on your to-do list. And it's just because it's unrealistic expectations for that person that you've brought on as an assistant or a team member and things like that. When it comes to, uh, this is like a big part of the conversation I know we will touch on, which is SOPs, because a big part of preparing your business for success with bringing on a team member is SOPs, which are standard operating procedures. When you bring on clients, like on average, would you say like how many of your clients like actually have SOPs set up in their business? Um, Honestly, less than 50%. Which is something that I know we're working on as an agency with like setting those expectations because again, it's not all on the business owner either. Like sometimes, you know, business owners are like, I know I need help, but I don't know what I need help with. Um, And that's a common thing that I hear. But it's like if you want to bring on a team member, you want to bring on a VA, you know how to do all of the tasks that you need to be done but we don't live in your head. And so a lot of times I think that uh, business owners, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, we forget that we need to like take the things out of our brain and actually show people how to do things um, step by step because they're not, you know, it's the same thing like when you're marketing, right? You know, we think that it's just, oh, it's just general knowledge. Like everybody knows this stuff. Say that you're a social media manager, for example, and you're talking about like 
analytics or whatever. And you just assume that everyone knows like what this means or what this does and how this impacts your account. But that's not the case. It's not general knowledge. And so I don't think that setting up like an SOP library is really general knowledge to people, at least with what I see in my business. I have only ever actually had one client in the last year that had a full-blown SOP library ready to go and she had it set up by someone else, like by a system specialist. That was incredibly helpful to me as a VA coming on. And then now I'm also her OBM, which is online business manager. And so I manage the whole back end of her business. And that has been so helpful to have that all set up. I have had clients where They have like a couple SOPs here and there, but they might need to be updated or changed or whatever. But there's a large majority that they don't have. They know what task needs to be done, but they don't have those SOPs in place to immediately like hand them over to someone. And I think that component, that disconnect is is really important to, I guess, connect (laughs) and like just make sure that that is something that you can just hand over to someone because it's going to save you a lot of time. Like it's going to save you a ton of back and forth because it's going to save your VA like questions. If you have an SOP library and you give um, them access to a Loom video or written out instructions, I personally really like when people show me on a Loom video how to do something because then when I'm first starting out in their business or when my team is starting out in their business, we can have the video on one side of the screen and us doing the task on the other. And it's going to help us catch on a lot faster. And that's going to save you as the business owner money because you're not going to be having to pay, especially if the the VA is hourly, which a lot of times they are. You're not going to have to be paying as much because it's not going to take as long to onboard. Number two, it's going to save the VA time on their business so they're able to maximize their time in their business because like we said, they're not a full-time employee. They're a contractor, and so they do have other clients as well. So then they're not going to you know, be dropping balls or getting bogged down on stuff. But having those SOPs are so, so, so important. So if you have an SOP library or at least like the tasks that you want your VA to do, and then an SOP aligned to each of those, whether it's a video and a transcription of the video or like a checklist of each step, that would be ideal. So then when you onboard your VA, you can just hand that over to them and be like, here's exactly how you do everything. This is what it's due by. And I guarantee you're going to have a lot more seamless of a process and a lot less questions which just eliminates a lot of that back and forth because those SOPs now live there forever. So we can go back as the VA or the OBM or team member and revisit those SOPs if there's something we don't remember how to do or you know, a part of the process that we need to make sure we did. We can always revisit those versus always being like, "Hey, like sorry to bug you again. Like I I need help like doing this task or what do I do here? If there's an SOP already laid out and it's not missing any steps and it's really concise, it's going to eliminate a lot of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think you will see that return on investment of your investment in that assistant way faster and way higher than you would by not preparing your business this way because they're going to have these things ready to go And you also have to remember that just because you have an assistant that, you know, you know, you put out a job post and you're saying you need help 
with, you know, adding flow desk segments and, you know, all these things. And they say that they can do these kinds of things, but maybe you have a different way of doing it or a different process because every person's business is different. So yes, me and me and Kate could both be using Flowdesk for email marketing, but maybe the way that we segment our list or the way that we have workflows set up in our list is going to differ. The way that my Dubsado workflows are set up are going to differ from someone else's Dubsado workflows. And so just because they may know the platform doesn't know that they know your process that is living rent-free in your head that needs to be out somewhere for them to follow. And I'm the same way. Like I am big on visual elements of an SOP. So I like them like documented, like written out. But if it's something that really needs a visual, like having a screen recording of that SOP. And like, I want to make this very clear for people to listening in the podcast SOPs do not need to be scary. I I feel like a lot of times everyone is scared of the term SOP and it's like in workflow, like it's these are these big scary words. Yeah, it's literally just a fancy word for like instructions on how it, to do something. It really is. It is the task and every step that needs to happen for that task to be completed. Like what is the first step and then what is the end goal? And then all those steps in between, including your subtasks that like, you know, if the task is, you know, post on Instagram, but then you also need to add your caption, your hashtags, do your alt text, like there's subtasks that go into that too, like writing out all of those little details. And the best way for me that I've learned to do this is to either record myself while I'm doing it. Or, you know, like recording my screen while I'm doing something and like even talking out loud, it may feel weird at first because you're just like talking to yourself while you're doing it. But I'm saying things out loud that I'm not realizing are actually a part of my process that you don't think about when you're just like, oh, I'm posted on Instagram and like, that's it. Well, there's like a lot of other things that you may miss unless you like document that process along the way. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest advice for business owners when you're creating an SOP library, it doesn't need to be an extra thing on your to-do list. You're already doing the task. Literally just hit record. Get Loom. Loom is my favorite for recording SOPs and doing screen recordings, but literally just hit record as you're doing the task for that week or that month or whatever and talk through it. And that is going to be your SOP. Like, there you go. It's already done. And so it's, it might have taken you, what, one or two minutes longer than if you were doing the task without talking through it. But it's not an SOP or creating an SOP shouldn't be something additional on your to do list when it can really be, you know, done while you're actually doing the task for your business. And so it can really be super simple. You're going to save time in the long run of, Mm -hmm. like you said, all that back and forth between that assistant of being like, how do I do this task again? Like, what do I need to do for this? Like, it's going to save you so much time and money, like you said, of, you know, most assistants are hourly. And so, you know, that hour that took you guys back and forth on a Zoom call, trying to figure out how to get to delegate this task to them is going to take longer than it would for you to have documented that SOP from the beginning or taken, you know, five to 10 minutes of yourself recording yourself doing that task. Like you said, oh, well, it would take me faster to just do it myself. Okay. If it takes you that fast to do it yourself, just record yourself while you're doing it. And then like you, there, there's your SOP. 
you know, yeah, like right exactly. there. Yeah. So it it just, you know, it's just a mindset like change that you need to have when you are bringing on a team members. They you shouldn't be just assuming that they know exactly what to do and they're going to come in and be these magic fairies that come in and all these tasks are done. They know how to do everything and you're all golden. You don't have to touch base with them. Don't have to do anything and everything's going to run smoothly. Like that is not how a well-oiled machine of a business works. It works by actually preparing and continuing to educate and help out your assistants too. It's not just like when you have these SOPs, then you no longer need to like do anything to like help out your assistant and make sure they're set up for success. Do you see that happen a lot where like, even if people get those developed, then it's kind of like, here you go. And then, you know what I mean? Not enough communication. Yeah. Or sometimes like the SOPs aren't, maybe the VA is working through it and they're like, wait a second, like where's, there's kind of like a missing piece. You're like, but how did they get from point A to point B? And it's something that might just be missing because you do it all the time. It's like second nature. And so then when you were actually doing the task, you maybe didn't mention it or you're not sure like where they're clicking. So there does still need to be a very clear line of communication. And I don't know if any like I mean, I do know that there's freelancers and like VAs that are listening to this podcast too. And so I think that something you can do for your business as well. It it doesn't have to always just fall on the business owner either. Like, yes, we're talking to business owners and this is what you need to do to prepare your business. But as a VA and as a freelancer, whether you're a copywriter or a social media manager, it's up to you to set these expectations as well. And so making sure that you let people know, like let your potential clients know what you need from them and how they'll be how you'll be communicating with them, what it is you need in order to do your best job because everyone's going to run their business differently if you're a VA. And so and like what people know and what people offer as services are going to be different as well. For example, like I can I'm totally happy to help people create SOPs and create systems and workflows and all of that stuff. But that comes from five years of being an entrepreneur and having a ton of experience in that area. And not every VA is going to have that kind of experience or have a lot of knowledge around strategy or know a lot about workflows and how things like that work. So you can't just expect you know, your VA to just know how to create all of those things. And then you as the VA, you can't just expect every client to know how to bring you on in a way that's going to work best for you. So making sure that it's really on both sides of the equation, you each have solid systems in place to onboard your VA and also onboard your client and you have clear expectations around communication. And that's just a really tough one because VAs can't do their job if you're not communicating with them. And there's been times where we've had clients that you know, we're trying to get work done for them and we're not getting responses to emails or messages for like two or three days. And that can be a lot of time to waste. And that's time that's not being used, especially if there's deadlines or things that need to get done by a certain time. Again, VAs are not full-time employees typically. And so things have to be systemized in a place that you know, communication is clear. You know when things are going to get done. You're going to respond in a certain window so that those things can get done by when they need to. And once you have that solid, and I, I usually think it takes like about a month to really figure out someone's business as a VA or an OBM and really just 
it's going to feel really clunky at first on both the freelancer side and the client or the business owner side. But after that month, things start to run a lot smoother. Things start getting faster. And so we actually do three-month retainers because I think it really takes like 90 days to figure out the whole process of like what things are going to look like in the business with the two of you and how it's going to work best. I think if people only did like we're working with someone for one month, most people would not want to keep working with them for one month because it can feel really clunky and it can feel really like, is this even worth it? Especially if there are not good systems or if there wasn't really solid preparation to begin with. Yeah. And I think something too that you said about you know, unless someone, you know, like yourself, you said, you know, I know systems and like workflows and things like that. Like, unless that person really is like specialized in that department or really has an understanding of it, again, you can't have that expectation that it's going to be the same outcome as hiring someone that this is like what they do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have had, I can't even tell you how many times I have had clients come to me that are like, well, I had tried, tried to have my assistant set this up and it didn't, it didn't you know, turn out right. And so yeah. now I need someone to set up my system. And I'm like, oh, well, like, you know, what did they know about Dubsado? Oh, they didn't know the platform. They'd never been in. Well, like if you've never yeah, been, so different. yeah, if you've never been in the platform before, especially a platform like Dubsado, and then you go in there and like you're expecting your assistant that's never been in there. Hey, can you go update all these workflows and add in all these automations? They're going to be a deer in headlights and not understand what's going on. And then as the business owner, you're going to feel really frustrated because you aren't going to see that return on investment of your time and of your money. And it just wasn't the right task for that assistant to do. It's not that that assistant isn't good at their job. That just maybe isn't their skill set. Maybe what they actually are really skilled at is graphic design or content creation. Like there could be another avenue of your business that they could be handling, but it, that is on the person hiring the assistant, making that very clear of like what they need help on for that position. And then the person applying, making sure that they are qualified to be doing those things. So it definitely is a two-way street, but I like gone are the days of basic, I need a virtual assistant post on Facebook groups. Like every time yes. I post those, I just roll my eyes because I'm like, one, you're going to get 500 inquiries. You are, they aren't going to be the right people for the job. Like I make my questions so specific to the position I am hiring for. In every position that I have hired, I have really enjoyed and loved that person that I have brought on to my team because it worked out in by actually making sure that they were qualified for that position and them feeling valued, me feeling like there's a return on investment of my time. But when you just like post whatever of like, oh, I just need an assistant to do, you know, all the way through systems, through content creation, through copywriting, through all it's everything under the sun that we're asking of these assistants. And it's just not possible. No. And it's setting everyone up for failure. I think that's where like you as the business owner need to be clear on what it is you need. If you need systems set up, you go to a system specialist. Like me as a VA and an OBM, I think I have a basic, like very basic knowledge of certain systems and 
really my experience is in managing workflows and I can create some basic like here's what the flow should look like. But when we're looking at like technical how to set up your backend systems, you should be talking to someone else. And there's someone that's on this podcast that is really great at setting up systems. (laughs) You should be like, you know, I would never, I've actually had people were like, oh, like, can you set up, you know, my ClickUp? I'm like, I mean, I can give you like a basic, here's what your folder should look like. But if you want like a full-blown ClickUp setup, like Taryn's your girl, you know, like that's, you need to think about what is most important in your business and invest there. And and then once you have those systems set up, like I said, I had that client who had a system specialist set up her, it was HoneyBook and ClickUp. And she built it out for her. It was great. She then set up her SOP library. And so I could come in as the VA and then eventually OBM. And that stuff was all set up so I could just manage it. And so now, yeah, I'm in her HoneyBook and I'm just managing these workflows. And it makes things so simple because they're already set up by a professional and there's no kinks in them. And so I think that's a really important part as well. And I also think it's important to hire and invest in people on what their specialty is. I get a lot of people that will ask for like social media management from us. And number one, like a basic social media management package, like it's still going to be more than you're investing in a VA. Like it's, it's, Social media management, true social media management is a lot more of an investment than having someone, you know, do admin work in your business because they're looking, they're skilled and they're looking specifically and skilled at Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be. So then when you have, you know, oh, I'll just pass this on to my VA and I'll have my VA like grow my Instagram or grow this, like you might be lucky and have a VA that's really skilled in social media, but I just really hesitate like blurring those lines unless those people specifically offer social media management packages or services and have like the credibility to back it up. I wouldn't – I would go to someone that specialized in that, you know, because it's all professional. Like we're all professionals and I think gone are the days of the industry standard being like everyone can do everything and do it well. When you're speaking specifically about VAs, you're looking at someone to support the admin tasks in your business, the tasks that are already set up and you can teach them exactly how to do what. Like maybe you need someone scheduling your social media posts. Perfect. A VA can do that because you can show them that. Managing your inbox, managing those workflows, you know, repurposing content because you can, again, show your VA how to do it. VAs are the implementers. They're the doers. They're the ones that you say, here's a long to-do list. Like, can you take this off my plate for me? But when you're starting to go into anything that has to do with like strategy or marketing or anything like that, I would really recommend making sure you're hiring accordingly with those because like I said, yeah, some VAs will have experience in those things. But I also think it's just important to have people that really specialize in it. And and I also think there's a difference. We've talked about OBM a little bit too. Like an online business manager is different than a VA. And a lot of times I think that line can get blurred as well. And an online business manager really is like that strategy component and someone that's managing the back end of your business where it's managing a team, it's managing projects like project management, really figuring out that strategy and how things should run. And then saying, okay, I think we need to hire 
a system strategist to build out the ClickUp. Okay, when I'm looking at these projects, I think we need to hire a VA to support us on this. Like that's where an OBM comes into play. If you want more of that strategy and more project management type stuff, that's going to be more at what you're looking to hire. Versus again, I think I think there's a lot of like high expect like not that there shouldn't be high expectations for VAs because they're they're definitely we're professionals. Like we know what we're doing and it's a very respectable job, especially in the online space. Like there's a lot of people that have VAs that you would have never even known because we're the ones behind the scenes just taking care of business. But I think sometimes there's unrealistic expectations of VAs and you think that a VA can do every single thing in your business and that's just not the case. Yeah. I think it's a lot of filling up one bucket too full and then it's overflowing. And, you know, there's a big difference in, you know, hiring a copywriter that is very skilled in copywriting and conversion copywriting and then getting that copy and then maybe that copywriter has helped you, you know, developed the way you should outline your Instagram graph or your Instagram captions or, you know, how you put your copy in your Instagram graphics. But then you can give that task then once you have that solid copy to a VA that does that, you know, finding someone that does that. But they're not the ones that have created the copy. Like they are not copywriters. So I think it's so important to outsource to the right people. And I know that we are in a time, like the time that this episode is coming out is in 2023. Like I know a lot of people are worried about recessions and all these things. And, you know, finances are a lot different right now. Things are a lot more expensive. And so I understand that people are watching their money closely. But if you're watching your money closely, giving everything under the sun to your virtual assistant is going to be a complete waste of your time. Like I know people that have done that. And then it's like a whole year of paying someone and then not seeing that return on investment because we are overflowing that one person's bucket and having very unrealistic expectations for them. And so what you need to do instead is to think of it from that higher level. You are the business owner and think about, okay, if systems are really important to my business right now, I need to bring in someone that truly knows systems. Like if I am ready to dive into Dubsado, but I can't do it, like finding a Dubsado specialist like myself, that can really help you do it. And then you can give other tasks to your assistant that is going to actually be a return on investment. Like our favorite thing now that we give to our clients is a return on investment report that shows you if you would have had your virtual assistant do these tasks that we now have automated in your workflows, how much money you would have had been paying them if it was, you know, 15 or $25 an hour, we plug that number in and it shows exactly how much money you would be paying them for the entire year just to do those tasks that are now done in a system tool. And so, and now you're freeing them up to do other things in your business. Exactly. It's just, and it's not like we're saying don't like, I am all about having virtual assistants. If I wasn't, I would not have Kate here. And (laughs) I am all about having virtual assistants. I think that they are so important. OBMs are so important in your business, but you need to make sure that you're having them do things that are going to have a return on investment for you and also is going to make that assistant feel valued. Because like you said, Kate, at the end of the day, 
they have a business too. They have an LLC or whatever their business is. Like they have their own business. And it is really important to make sure that you are remembering that, that it is not just someone that doesn't have anything and like, you know, they're just there doing all this work for you. And they're just your little fairy behind the scenes and stuff. Even if they are working hard behind the scenes, they still have a business and you need to treat them like a business owner and you need to treat your business like a business. A hundred percent. And I think that that is, I think that it's just important to get clear on whose role is what. I think that there's a lot of times that you can blur things together, like what we said. And there's a time and a place for hiring a specialist to get things set up for you, like a copywriter, like a web designer. Like I I can't imagine like building – I know that there's people that hire VAs to like build out their website. I wouldn't recommend that unless that VA like specifically has experience in web design and setting up websites and like that's their their specialty, then great. But I would go to a web designer. Like I would go to someone to create my website. I didn't even create my own website. Like I don't know how to create a website and like have it do all the things that I wanted to do. The times that I've helped clients get their websites up, we've purchased templates from web designers. And then, which is another great thing you can do. Say, for example, you want a website. You can get templates from web designers if you're not ready to invest in a full-blown website. And then your VA can help you plug and play into that template. But yeah, you know, but I think even using templates, you're still, you're limited. Yeah. You're limited, but then you're also at least like not having unrealistic expectations. Exactly. It's like, okay, we're taking a template and then we're just putting our brand colors on and putting it on, you know, it's not like we're taking this template and then like turning into something completely different. You need to have all this like coding and like all that stuff. Yeah. And so, and. And I think too, like the all the VAs I know, I think there's it's just a personality trait that like we want to help, and it's hard for us to say no if a client is like, oh, I want help doing this or I want help with this, and it's like, okay, yeah, like I'll, I can do it or I can help you, especially if it's something you are familiar with. But I think it's important to also set those boundaries that it's like I'm not the best person for the job, and like knowing that as a freelancer as a business owner like there's there's a better way to go about this and you can use me in your business in this other way. Yeah, and I think too that's where like knowing and having people in your back pocket for referrals is huge, especially in the virtual assistant space because I as a business owner would love my VA if so if I ask them to do something they're like, "Hey, like I actually like this is not my skill set, but I know so and so who is Like I've had an assistant do that before where like I needed like email inbox organization and she found someone that was like the perfect person for that, that I could hire and do a one-off project to like clean up my inbox. You know what I mean? So it's like knowing people that you can refer to like vice versa with me and Kate of like, she knows with me in systems and like, I'm not a virtual assistant or an OBM. And I know that I can, you know, send people over to her. I know this episode is going to be really helpful for a lot of people, and I know people are going to want to connect with you, Kate. So where can people connect with you, whether they are needing assistant help and needing a virtual assistant or an OBM or the assistants that are out here listening that are maybe wanting to learn from you? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at your behind the scenes BFF and then also at your BTS BFF University. Um, We also have a podcast that's your behind the scenes BFF 
podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And then my website is your BTS BFF.com. Awesome. And we'll have all those linked below for you guys. You guys can find them. And thank you so much, Kate, for joining me on She Can Systemize. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Bye.